0: Now, I want to go today into the subject of the male-female symbolism in Tantric yoga. You will find uh, that in the Tantric art forms that every Buddha or aspect of the Buddha has a feminine counterpart and that not only do they have Feminine counterparts, but they also have various levels on which they're represented. In other words, we started out, you remember, I described in the last seminar, there were the idea of five so called Jnani Buddhas. And these five, who represent, as it were, the center of a rose, uh, one's in the middle and four surround then each one has a corresponding Bodhisattva form. And then each Bodhisattva uh, has in turn a corresponding Heruka form, but they're all forms of the original five. Then, uh, whether they're in the form of a Jnani Buddha, or in the form of a Bodhisattva, or in the form of a Heruka, which is kind of wrathful and weird, far out to kind of uh, character often with bulls' heads, this one here um uh which we can look at as a little statue that uh, kim has brought over uh, they're all reducible to the original group and all have these female counterparts and they are represented as in sexual intercourse uh touching at all points uh in in a complete embrace and the idea is that this embrace lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and never ends. Because this is a way of representing the nature of life. What is fundamentally involved in this system is self-knowledge. You see, if without resonance nothing happens if there are no echoes you can't hear anything supposing we get a room in which we blanket all the walls and blanket the floor soundproof it in every possible direction you can hardly hear anyone talk because voice requires resonance that's why People enjoy singing in the bathtub. They suddenly discover they've got a good voice because suddenly the bath uh, and the structure of the room, which is all non-soundproofed, resonates their voice. That's why you use a uh, a violin or a cello or a bass fiddle has a big wooden structure to make the sound resonant, to play back to itself. And that's why we are all so fascinated with... Recording things, taking photographs, writing them down, and above all, remembering. It's a form of resonance. Because, you see, if you don't remember anything, you don't know you're there. A person who had total amnesia and lived in a split second only wouldn't know he was there. We could conceive, and perhaps there are some forms of life that don't know they're there, uh, I don't know whether my in, uh, particular cells constituting my body, I don't know whether they know they're there. Maybe they do. Maybe they have some wonderful system of resonance that I know nothing about, and they're all worried about what I'm going to do with them, and having conferences and meetings and uh, uh, policy decisions and so on and so forth, because uh, this, this person in charge... Uh, You know, it it might well be that when I die, or when we all die, all our cells suddenly say, God is dead. And they have their big (laughs) theological controversy. (laughs) And uh, uh, say, well, we just have to fend for ourselves from now on, and that's called corruption. Well, they all go off on their own. (coughs) So, uh, I don't know. It may be uh, that, that we've got some kind of a system like that. But uh, certainly, to know that you're there, you need an echo. So I invented this limerick, there was a young man who said, though, it seems that I know that I know. What I would like to see is the eye that knows me when I know that I know that I know. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the, the thing, you see, not only do you remember what happened and uh, say, it made an impression on me, which means it made me remember. Like your retina remembers uh, whatever is seen so that it sticks there a little. In other words, that's why you get the illusion of a circle of fire when you revolve a cigarette in the dark. Uh, It makes the impression of a circle because your retina remembers and holds, as it were, the impression of the flame. And uh, so then, beyond that, we are, f- we are absolutely fascinated with the whole principle of remembering. And so then, uh, when there's some gathering of people, and we say, uh, well, this is a great day, what a wonderful pic- picnic, or whatever it is we're having, it's a pity somebody didn't bring a camera. It should have been photographed. Now, do you see that in this whole thing, there is both a gain and a loss, The... one school of people are saying it should be photographed. The other school of people are saying let go of it. When you go around, uh, we had so much experience of this in Japan because all our students brought cameras and uh, were constantly photographing things. And I had a camera and I was constantly photographing things, but I felt that so long as I had a camera with me, I was somehow distracted from actuality. I had a little box with which I went around grabbing life. Of course, it's great to come back and look at it uh, in the form of photographs, but there's something about the photograph that is inferior to the actual uh, experience that you're photographing. But uh, there is an immense fascination. In photography in painting in reproducing and reproducing you see is the same thing as sexuality it is reproduction only in another way because it tells you you're there you're alive the thing bounces it echoes so the the duplicity in all this is you see One school of religious people say, let it all go, don't be attached. In other words, and they also say, live in the moment, like Krishnamurti's doctrine of, uh, stop trying to remember everything. You may need a kind of uh, factual memory for your name and address and a telephone number and uh, things like that. But don't uh, linger over memories and treasure memories and say, well, I'm going to keep my girlfriend's lock of hair And i'll take it out every now and then and look at it and feel wonderful you see that's clinging to life because that memory has got you hooked it holds you to the past and it holds you to death but then there's the other school of thought you see quite opposite to this which says remember to remember title of one of henry miller's books Uh, hold on to it all get involved Keep your girlfriend's hair. Keep all the photographs. Uh, You know how uh, in some houses the piano, everything is completely covered with photographs and reminiscences. I went to visit um, Gloria Swanson once. I've never seen such a house full of memories. Everything in all directions was Gloria Swanson. Photographed on this occasion, signed on that occasion, presentation this, Uh, I went to visit once too the wife of a former Archbishop of Canterbury and the whole house was memorials. I mean it was a complete clutter of tombstone furniture (laughs) with little brass plates on it presented on the occasion of this that and the other. Well you say look that person isn't really living. And uh, they're all in the past. But on the other hand what is life you see except there is a memory except there is an echo so what i want to point out you see is the duplicity of all this that you don't take if you're a wise man you don't take sides in this issue you do both sides and that is the meaning of the unity of samsara and nirvana on the one hand you let go of everything and you live in the eternal now because that's all there is see memory is an illusion it's all gone so everything you know about that makes an impression on you is no longer there that's the meaning of maya there is only the eternal now there is only the present moment and never will be anything else because even what you're remembering is happening in the present the memory is in the eternal now isn't it See so it's all really absolutely here but on the other hand what fun to drag it out and to make it echo and to get involved and to fall in love and to become attached once r h Blythe wrote and said to me i may have told some of you this story before he wrote me a letter and said what are you doing these days as for me I am abandoning all kinds of satori and enlightenment, and I'm trying to become as deeply attached to as many people and as many things as possible. Because these are the two sides, see? So, uh, the thing is this. It's just like riding a bicycle. It's a balance trick. You suddenly find yourself falling over one way. Well, you balance that. You turn into that direction, and you stay up. And so, in the same way, when you find yourself becoming too attached to life, you correct that with the realization that there is nothing except the eternal now. Then, when you feel that's all right now, you see you're safe again. This is the only eternal now. Once more, you go and get attached. Or you get involved, you get concerned about some enterprise, social, political, amorous, uh, familial, uh, scholarly, artistic, whatever it is, you get involved. And the two always go together. So this is the meaning of this symbolism. Because the male only knows he's there if there's a female it's the echo and she only knows she's there if there's a male nobody ever came into existence without a couple of parents see and uh, there's uh, simply no other way into this universe now this is simply I'm using this simply not as the main point but as a sort of illustration of the simultaneity of attachment detachment involution and evolution involution is how you get involved evolution is how you get out well now this tantric yoga represents all this in the most extraordinary symbolism which is basically the human body again it's not simply the sexual functioning of the human body it's the whole nervous system If you really dig into this, you will find that there is a psychic anatomy, and this psychic anatomy in uh, yoga uh, philosophy belongs to what I explained yesterday as the subtle body. You must not expect to find this in the physical organism, nor must you expect to find that there is, in addition to the physical organism, a sort of spook. That goes round with us. The physical body is the body as examined by others. The subtle body is the way you feel yourself. Now, there is a then a, an anatomy of the subtle body, which consists of the process of involution and evolution. There is a spinal tree. And uh, it's represented as having two paths down it. It is uh, represented as a canal called the Sushumna. And then in this canal there are two routes. One is called the Ida and the other is called the Pingala. P-I-N-G-L-A and the I-D-A, Ida. And on one current something is going down. And on the other something is coming up. And you will recognize, I think, the familiar image of two serpents on a rod, the caduceus, carried by mercury. And alchemically, you see, mercury, the mirror substance, is the void, is the pure, clear light, the same thing as the Buddhist diamond. Now, down at the base of the spinal column, according to the chakra system, there's what's called the Kundalini which is the serpent power and the symbol of the serpent power is an inverted triangle with a phallus upright and erect and a sleeping serpent coiled all the way around the phallus that is in other words involution to be absolutely involved and the sex symbol is used again because Sex stands for, symbolically, complete involvement. Now, when you've got in, the trick is to get out. See? So then, uh, the, the, the process of yoga is represented as waking up that sleeping serpent who is under the sleep of Maya, who's captivated by illusion, and thinks that the world really exists. In other words, the female echo of himself or the male echo of herself, has captivated you. Memory has caught you, and you think it's all really there, and you don't realize there's only the eternal now. And you need to know that in order not to get quite lost, because if you go out to any one end of the spectrum, you forget you're there. as sort of a non-existence, you can't really non-exist, you'll always come back eventually. But if you get one extreme too much, you don't know you're there. So then, the, 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 the symbol is that you draw up the energy located in the Kundalini, which is the sex centre, and you send it back up the spinal tree to the top again, from which it came. Now, this is the theory of sex yoga. The theory is that the male and the female partners, who, as I explained yesterday, are husband and wife, or um, some kind of spiritual marriage, what they do is this. By, uh, the, the male sits in the normal meditation posture and the female sits on top of him wrapping her legs around his waist and her arms around his neck and he holds her around the waist and in this position they arouse the sexual force. Now the theory goes on to say this that instead of dissipating this energy in the ordinary way Having aroused it, they send it up the spinal tree back into the brain. Now, don't take this literally. This is a symbolism. It's just the same kind of superstition as thinking that heaven is somewhere up in the sky and that there really are streets of gold and angels wandering around in nighties with harps. Uh, All this is a way of talking about inner... Inner anatomy, psychic anatomy. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he went right into the middle of himself and disappeared. (laughs) You know? And like the gates of heaven, they're pearls. People think the pearly gates are gates covered in pearls. There's nothing of the kind. The gates of heaven are pearls. Pearls. Each one is one pearl, and you know a pearl has a very thin hole through it for the thread to go in. And that's why a camel can't go through the eye of a needle. Because you have to become no one to get through that hole. That's why the idea of many incarnations is likened to beads strung together on a thread. And this thread is called the sutra atman sutra is a thread atman the self the threading self that hangs all the beads together but it's so thin you see that um, it's like nobody the real you uh, you have to divest yourself of all hang ups you see to discover the real you well we're back again to the thing uh, of of pulling the, the snake up the tree the serpent power up Uh, you have to let go of the hang-ups and realize that there are no possessions, everything's falling away, all your memories are holding on to illusions. Then when you thoroughly understand that, you can go back in. So you've got a marvelous picture of the world as a sort of systole and diastole of attachment and detachment, attachment and detachment. And this takes us right back, you see. Uh, The Bodhisattva who is liberated, who has let go and is no longer attached, (coughs) given up memory, and this is the meaning of giving up woman, who is your resonator. Give that up, see, and you find you're free. There's only the eternal now. So the Bodhisattva, instead of staying there, goes back in. And there are all sorts of um, funny symbolic stories about bodhisattvas appearing in the world as whores and uh, all all kinds, using every conceivable kind of device in order to liberate other beings. But this takes us completely back, you see, to the original Hindu image of the world as the pralaya and the manvantara. The manvantara is the period in which Brahma manifests himself as multiple beings for four million three hundred and twenty thousand years and the pralaya is the period in which he withdraws and everything disappears and then starts all over again and this goes on forever and ever and ever in not only our kind of time but in many other kinds of time and in all sorts of different kinds of spaces, but it's the same fundamental myth recreated in another form. Now, you may say this is pretty monotonous, uh, and that is, you see, one of the basic feelings underlying Buddhism, must we go round again? See. So, indeed, you see, you say, oh, enough of this, let's go to sleep, let's stop, time must have a stop, and so you stop. Well, when you do that, you forget that it ever happened, you see? This is a marvelous arrangement, because then it can start all over again without your knowing that it happened before, (laughs) so you're never bored. And this is a cure for being tired of it (laughs) because if you didn't know I mean that's where the memory goes you see and so when uh, you come back there's no problem at least no problem of 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 boredom of remembering the past there's going to be all sorts of new problems but you won't know you've had any problems before So that won't worry you, until you begin to accumulate memories again, and you've had these problems, and it's becoming a bore dealing with problems, and then you get rid of yourself. It's called death. It's a beautiful arrangement for keeping everything young and new, and for keeping the universe running without getting tired of itself. And that's the definition of keeping on. So you see, these are the two motions, they're fundamentally then represented by the male and the female, the the, uh, in and the out, the now moment, and the memory. See, memory, remember, creates the future as well as the past. You wouldn't know you were going to have anything happen tomorrow unless something had happened yesterday. You figure because the sun rose yesterday and yesterday and yesterday that it will arise again tomorrow. If you didn't remember it, you wouldn't know there was going to be any tomorrow. Of course, there isn't. Tomorrow is an illusion. So is yesterday. Simply isn't here. Where is it? Bring me tomorrow's newspaper. <laughs> okay. Now, this is perfectly marvelous arrangement, you see. So that uh, you may feel as you think these things over that you are almost on the verge of going mad I sometimes feel that when I get involved in the sort of contemplative state it is so weird and so far out that I think I'm going to lose my mind but uh, don't worry you see just like uh, being dead Uh, just like uh, just let go and swing with it because it'll always bounce and uh, what makes you gives you the sense of going mad is that you think you're not in control and that it's all lost and someone, someone else is going to take over or something else is going to take over well, of course it has to, because like you say, when you've driven long enough in the car, you say to your wife, will you drive for a while, please? <laughs> you want relief, <laughs> or something else has to take over, but it's all you. So do you see that how the, the, the nature of, of being is constructed in this extraordinarily fascinating way? So that uh, it constantly renews itself and therefore is worth going on by eternal forgetting and getting rid of itself.